Matthew chapter 26. Um, really, uh, I thought as we as we went into, I uh, uh, wanted to deviate a little bit as we went into um, the Easter week. Um, I kind of wanted to give you um, kind of a tale of two sinful men, and 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 take and place ourselves in that category. And we're going to be talking about Judas and Peter. Uh, and if you look at these two guys, uh, they were both called as disciples, both uh, walked with Jesus for a long time, uh, both um, uh, failed uh, on multiple occasions and in many ways, uh, but one ended up being used by God and uh, restored by Christ in a powerful and a mighty way. Uh, one ended up uh, wasting his life and uh, uh, even after a sinful decision and destroying his life. And so uh, I want to talk to us a little bit from Matthew chapter 26. So let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you so much for this day. And uh, uh, God, as we look at uh, really the difference between Judas and Peter today, I pray that uh, wherever we are in our own personal lives and whatever space we're in uh, in our lives, that we would, uh, we would see these two men as models of, uh, of what we do after a failure and what we should not do. And the truth is, God, none of us are perfect. None of us are going to follow you uh, completely and totally. And so, God, my prayer is that the challenge for us, first of all, would be to walk in purity and walk um, above reproach and without sin but at the same time uh, God let us um, let us when we do uh, see an opportunity to come back and confess and repent of, uh, of those shortcomings in our lives in Jesus name we pray amen and amen you know um, the one of the quotes that I've 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 had shared with me in the past was I remember my dad used to say uh, you know you can never make the same mistake twice you can never make the same mistake twice now as a dad he would then say because the second time was a choice he says now the second time you did it was a choice you may have done that by mistake the first time but the second time you did it was a choice now uh, my dad always had a lot of other things uh, uh, that he used to say anytime he wanted to share a bit of wisdom with me my dad for some reason would say you know Confucius say how many of you know who Confucius? He would say, uh, uh, Confucius, and it would, he would say something to me like Confucius say, uh, a fool and his motorcycle would soon be parted. Now, what does that mean? He just saw me driving too fast, right? He would give me those Confucius sayings. So I, I don't know how much of those things were true. And I said, I had no idea that Confucius knew anything about motorcycles when I looked up the history. I said, wait, that guy was born <laughs> back in. But the reality of it is, you know, for us, you know, we're going to make mistakes. We are going to make mistakes. We're going to drop the ball. We're going to blow it. We're going to lose our, lose our head. We're going to say the wrong thing in the wrong time. But the truth is, oftentimes, the second time is not a mistake. It's a choice. When it comes to sin in our lives or, or, or something we do or uh, whether it's uh, some substance we take or a decision we make that hurts our family, uh, the first time might have been a mistake, but the second time was a choice. But there is still a reality that God's grace is still greater than our choices. And so as we think about Matthew chapter 26, I, I want to first of all look, what can we learn from the life of Judas? And then I want to say, what can we learn from the life of Peter? And we're going to flow all of, we're going to read uh, at some point Matthew 26, uh, verse 45 to 54. The first verses, um, the first couple of verses, they, starting in 45, have to do with Judas and decisions that he made. 
But more importantly, there are some decisions that Christ made. I mean, there are people oftentimes that ask me, why would Jesus choose Judas to be a disciple? Anybody in here wondered that? Why would Jesus choose Judas to be part of the, be a disciple? Uh, why, well, let's be honest. Why would he call Peter? Uh, you, you surely you could have found some better guys than that, right? But uh, we want to talk about that today. Why would God call and allow uh, Judas to be one of the disciples? But let's read, pick it up, and as we read, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 45. It says, Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still asleep? Now here's where we are. Uh, you've already had the upper room. Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. He's led them in the Lord, instituted the Lord's Supper. He's done all of this, okay? Uh, he's given them the Maundy Thursday. He's given them the command uh, that you are to love one another. He's also in the upper room, looked, and said, Hey, uh, the one of you that is going uh, to do what you're going to do, go do it quickly. Just go do it. So now Jesus is out in the garden. He's told uh, Peter, James, and John uh, to stay there and pray. And then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? I've thought the same thing about y'all sometimes after I preached and I'm walking out. I'm like, Are you still sleeping uh, and resting? He says, Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. If you've ever heard me say uh, Jesus was delivered into the hands of sinful men, there's where the phrase comes from, right there in Matthew chapter 26, uh, right off the lips of Jesus himself. Uh, so when you hear me say Jesus, uh, although he was perfect he was expression of God's love in human form he was delivered into the hands of sinful men there's there's the phrase came right off Jesus's mouth rise he says let us go he says rise and let us go here comes the betrayer who's he talking about he's talking about Jesus Judas while he was still speaking Judas one of the 12 arrived with him was a large crowd of uh, a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priest and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged the signal with them. The one I kiss is the one I one is the man. So arrest him. Going at once uh, to Jesus, Judas said, "Greetings, Rabbi," and he kissed him. Then Jesus replied, "Friend, do what you came for." Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. Okay. Uh, now it, it is always interesting that from time to time. Uh, as we come into Easter, uh, there, there become those people we call the Easter skeptics. Uh, they begin to uh, have questions about uh, Easter and the resurrection and different things like that. And if you look at Matthew's account here, uh, Matthew doesn't mention that uh, what one of the other authors of the gospel mentions that during this time, uh, someone grabs their sword, grabs their dagger and cuts, cuts the ear of a man off. Uh, and, and Jesus takes it and puts it back on. How many of you have heard that story? And you're like, how come they aren't all exactly the same? Well, the reality of it is you have different writers writing for different purposes in different seasons. Well, guess which gospel that does come from? Anybody know? Huh? Luke. And what was Luke? He was a doctor. So is it any shocking that the doctor might bring up an item like that? No, it's not at all. Uh, Matthew uh, was writing to a Jewish audience. And uh, so as you think about it, so here's what he says. Then the man stepped forward. They seized Jesus and they arrested him. So let me give you a couple of thoughts. What can we learn from 
Judas's life. Here's number one. Scripture was fulfilled in Judas. One of the reasons that Jesus chose Judas to be a part of the disciples is that Scripture would be fulfilled in him. If you want to write these down, you don't have to jump over, and I am going to jump back and forth a couple of times, but if you just want to write some of this down, or if you have your iPhone open, uh, go into the notes section. If you look at Psalm uh, 41, verse 9, uh, this is a prophecy. It says, even my close friend whom I trusted who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. One of the old prophecies in the Old Testament fulfilled uh, in exactly what we see in the New Testament. Because if you go from Psalm 41, verse 9, to John chapter 13, verse 18, uh, Jesus says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those that I have chosen. Now notice what Jesus says there. I know everyone who's in the room. I've chosen you. The reality of it is, guys, just like you, think about that room. You had, you had Doubting Thomas in the room. You had Peter in the room. You had James and John who just wanted to know who was going to be seated at the right and the left hand of the throne. You, you, had, you had Thomas that would doubt for a long time. You had, you had Judas in the room. You had a lot of other people, Philip, Bartholomew, Andrew, all some people that you never heard say anything. But Jesus chose them, and he knew them. The reality of it is God chose you, and he knows you. And so if you were sitting here and if you're wondering, well, why, why would God choose me if I have all of these addictions or I have a frailty or if I have a struggle or I have a sinful past or I've destroyed a relationship or I've ruined a family or I've done this, or I've done that. Listen, Jesus knows everything about you and he still chose you. And that's what he says right here. He says, listen, I know everyone that I've chosen. He says, but this is to fulfill scripture. Why did Jesus, one of the reasons Jesus chose Judas is to fulfill scripture as to exactly how we would be be betrayed if you remember when we taught in our uh, in our uh, uh, series God's story a couple of weeks ago and I, I came out at the beginning of the New Testament and said although those 400 years from between Malachi and Matthew were silent God was still at work and one of the ways that we saw that he was at work is Alexander the Great came in and what he referred to as Hellenizing the world, uh, gave them the idea of a Greek philosophy, which he thought was the best philosophy in the world, a Greek political system, as well as a Greek language. Then all the generations of young Jewish men and women that grew up no longer spoke Hebrew, they spoke Greek. So in that intertestamental period, you have a translation of the Hebrew Old Testament into the Greek New Testament referred to as the Septuagint. And so we know that it was all settled because we can look in the Septuagint and we see Psalm 41 verse 9 was not only written well before the Septuagint, but it was already translated two centuries before Jesus showed up on the screen. On, not on the screen, on the scene. And that too. But there is a reality that one of the reasons Jesus chose Judas is because he knew that Judas would be the one that was prophesied in the Old Testament. Now, if you notice up here, Jesus didn't tell Judas, hey, by the way, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go sell me out. I need you to go meet with the chief priest. I need you to cut a little deal for a couple of pieces of silver, work that whole deal out, then we'll kiss in the garden. We good? All right, we're good. No, that didn't happen. But Jesus, also being God, knew what was going to happen, knew was who he was going to choose, so he chose Judas. And so part of that reason is that Scripture would be fulfilled in him. So let's continue to read on. He says, He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. He says, I am telling you now before it even happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. 
And Judas was, in fact, a fulfillment of Scripture, even a bad fulfillment of Scripture. But there are times that God calls each and every one of us. It does not times, at all times, God calls each and every one of us with our own failures, with our own frailties, with our own things that we wish we had to do over in our past. And so the fact that Judas was called by God shouldn't, shouldn't surprise us at all. Because God calls everyone, God calls everyone to himself. The choices we make are followed up. You know, the first one might be a mistake. The second one's a choice. So the first thing we can learn from, uh, from Judas is that, you know, he was the fulfillment of Scripture, and God even uses evil people to fulfill his plan. Don't ever forget that. God even chooses evil people sometimes to fulfill his plan. Here's the second thing we can learn. Uh, God will give us over to our decisions. God will, in fact, give us over to our decisions. You know, um, some of the toughest things that I ever have to deal with, uh, with people when they come to me and they would ask me some question like, um, and, and a, we're, we're in a group of guys in here. Uh, let's say a man just decides, man, he goes off, he goes off the rails and uh, ends up walking away from his wife and kids and his family in pursuit of another woman. And a, a, a wife will come to me and say, why would God allow this to happen? How many of you know the question I'm asking? And, and that's exactly what they'll say. And there is a reality that you almost have to look them in the eye and in as gentle and a caring way. Sometimes God will give you over to your own decisions. Now, I, I don't believe at all that there's not going to be consequences in that person, that man or that woman's life. Does that make sense? But God will give us over to our own decisions. God will allow you and me to make our own decisions, sometimes even to our own detriments. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Jesus could have stepped in and stopped it? Do you think Jesus could have looked at him and said, Hey, Peter, uh, why don't you just go ahead and dagger him right now? Dear, my guess is Peter, knowing he, he, he and Judas probably went at it. If you just think what were their personalities like, I bet Peter was looking for a reason to choke Judas out, right? All, G, all, all Jesus had to do was say the word. Guys, we need to understand that God will, in fact, give us over to our own decisions. And there are times we need to share that with people, be willing to share that with people. Now, it may not be God's plan, but God will allow us to hang ourselves. You ever done that with your kids or with somebody around you? Hey, I'm not going to hang you, but I'm going to give you enough rope to hang yourself. And there is, that's exactly what, what Jesus did here, and that's what God did with Judas. Gave him enough rope to hang himself. That wasn't his, that wasn't his desire. I, I'll tell you this, and, and some people don't like it when I say this, but I believe to the very moment, had Judas showed genuine repentance and remorse, he could have been saved. That's just what I believe. But instead, he chose a human guilt that led to death instead of a spiritual repentance that would have led to life. Now, we can go to the Old Testament and talk about him giving away Christ. I mean, that ultimately, at the end of the time, he just he betrayed Jesus into the hands of sinful men. And so God will give us over to our decisions. Look at John chapter 13, verse uh, 21. Pick it up. It says, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you, this is, this is, uh, this is John 13, this is Jesus up in the upper room, one of you is going to betray me. All right? Jesus knows what is about to happen. Then he goes on, his disciples stared at one another. In other words, can you imagine being in the room? What if I said to you, what if I just said in the room here, hey, listen, one of you 
is stealing out of the offering plate on Sunday morning, and I know. Y'all would look around, right? You'd begin to, you'd, my guess, how many of y'all think probably the accountant? Isn't that what y'all would think? You, you, or the fireman, the retired fireman over there, Bob. Yeah. That's right. Don't worry about it. That is a nice car you got. I like it, Bob. Uh, retirement's treating you well and counting the money at the church. But he says, I know which one of you is betraying me. Look at verse 22. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Who is that? Somebody tell me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so next to him, Simon Peter mentioned uh, to this disciple and said, ask him, which one of these do you think he means? Can you imagine Peter? Hey, dude, let's put some money down right here. Three to one. It's Andrew. One to one, it's Judas. <laughs> Even money, it's Judas, right? And you're going down and uh, uh, reclining. He said to him, hey, which one do you think it is? Look at verse 26. Jesus answered, uh, it is the one whom I will give this piece of bread to. Have I dipped it in the dish? Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot. Boy, you're, you've definitely been out at that point. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him and uh, said, what are you about to do? Whatever you're about to do, do it quickly. In other words, when he says Satan, entered into him and that confirmed in his heart Judas had already cut the deal basically all right Judas had already cut the deal and so he rolled in now listen next thing we can learn sin never delivers what it promises guys sin never delivers what it promises and you and I need to understand that uh, the chief priests and the elders and the scribes, uh, they promised Judas uh, some silver and some money and probably a, a lavish lifestyle the rest of his life. H how, how much did Judas enjoy that? Oh, he pretty much threw it back into the church and went and hung himself, right? And so sin never delivers what it promises. And boy, but Satan will keep laying that lie and laying that lie and laying that lie out before us. And if we think about sin never delivers what it promises. Um, man, look at Luke, Luke chapter 22, verse 4. If you just want to write this down, I'll read it to you. It says, And Judas went up to the chief priest and the officers of the temple and the guard to discuss with them. Uh, this is uh, before. Uh, he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him his money. In other words, they were excited about it. They'd agreed to give him his money. Uh, he consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over them when no crowd was present. In other words, probably wouldn't have been good to try to hand Jesus over to the chief, pre, uh, chief priest and the scribes and, and, and the soldiers right after Jesus had fed the 5,000. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That would not have been a good look. It would have been a little more difficult than they thought. So they, they made the deal. We're going to give you the money, but here, we need you to figure out a plan and a place for us to deliver, for you to deliver Jesus to us when there's not a crowd around. Okay, when there's not a crowd around that would stand up and defend him and fight for him, uh, he consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Now, if you jump down to verse, uh, thinking about sin never delivers on his promises, go back to verse 27 of uh, verse 3 of Matthew 27. Uh, Matthew 27, verse 3. It says, when, Jesus, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse, a human guilt, 
a human remorse. A, a, he was seized with remorse and returned 30 silver coins to the chief priest and the elders. Then look at verse 4. He said, I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. In other words, he gathered the knowledge. He realized that Jesus truly was the innocent man that he had walked with for the last three years, but he had sinned and betrayed him. Now notice what happens. They said, uh, I betrayed him. They said, what do we care? What is this to us? They replied, that's your responsibility. So I love these guys. Now they pointed out, that's on you, right? That's on you. Anybody ever felt that? Boy, I can think back in my own life. There have been things times and seasons in my life where I've made decisions there's no doubt Satan set a trap I stepped into the trap uh, I got caught in the trap and uh, man you kind of look at Satan for help and Satan says no nah, that's really kind of on you right and that's the way Satan does to us, guys. Uh, sin never pays what it promises. Satan never pays you what it promises. He'll turn and walk away from you. He'll destroy your family. He'll destroy your career. He'll destroy your life. And then he just walks away smirking and laughing. And so notice what he, he said. Hey, what is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So look what Judas did in verse 5. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. All right, that was the fatal sin right there. That was the ultimate ender for Peter. All right, when he took his life, any opportunity for confession and repentance and salvation was gone at the, that moment. All right, it wasn't the fact that he took his own life. It wasn't the fact that he committed suicide. It wasn't the fact that he hanged himself that didn't allow him to go to heaven. It was the fact that he didn't come face to face with the grips of his sin and turn in grief and repentance towards God. Does that make sense? And so there are even things that we can learn from uh, Judas. But there are also some things that we can learn from Peter. Man, what can we learn from Peter? Um, if you think about, jump back to Matthew chapter 26. So I'm just going to start reading. Remember, the first part I read about uh, was, uh, was Judas. Now I want to begin to read about Peter. Then the men stepped forward and seized Jesus and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, struck it with the servant and the high priest, cutting off of his ear. Put your sword in this place, and all the disciples uh, deserted him and fled. Now, if you think about this, um, you got to be very cautious with what you say and what you do. Notice what it says in Matthew 26, verse 51. It says, Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of his disciples' companions reached for his sword. Now, as we think about trying to step in in God's way, and I think a lot of times we do this. Man, God has a plan, and I want to step in and intervene. God has a plan, and God wants to step in and do something a little bit different. If you think about it, one of the things we can learn from Judas, uh, from Peter and Judas is this. For Peter, and this is where we have to be careful, talk is cheap. Guys, when it comes to our walk and our faith with God, talk is cheap. If you jump and look at Luke chapter 22, verse 33, Peter said, Lord, with you I am ready to go to both prison and death. Talk is cheap. If you go look at another place, Matthew 14, verse 29, Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. 
I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Guys, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And, and if you don't understand the context and the setting in that uh, passage there, uh, back in Mark 14, as well as if you see it again over in John, when Judas sat there and said, even if all of these fall away, who was he talking about? The other disciples. He wasn't talking about the chief priests and the scribes and the 5,000 they had fed. He was talking about those closest to Jesus. He, as a matter of fact, he was looking and says, hey, God, hey, hey, come here, Lord. Even if all these guys fall away, I'll be there for you. I got your back, right? And the truth is, talk is cheap. And, boy, if we think about it in our lives, as I reflect back uh, over the seasons as a pastor, that uh, some of the most disappointing and discouraging conversations I've ever had have been with men who have pretty much given me that same statement. Not about me, but about their relationship with God. That they would say, hey, listen, I am all in from here on out. Anybody in this room ever said that and then not did that? Yeah. And a lot of times, this is the most discouraging part for me as a pastor, and I don't know if you've ever been there, uh, is a lot of times they make that statement in a season of great difficulty. Get diagnosed with cancer, or they're going through a marital difficulty, they're, lo they're losing their job, and they will make almost a barter deal, not to me, between them and God. Say, so, you know what, if God gets me through this, if God gets me through this, you'll see me at church seven days a week serving. I will be faithful. And as soon as I get the five-year all-clear cancer-free, they're back at the beach. Or they're back at the lake house. Yeah, you had something, Dick. When did he change his mindset? Boy, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think if he, if he asked when did he change his mindset, I assume to betray him. I th I, I, I'll give you my opinion. I think he was, uh, he was close but committed, not all the time. And there are a couple of times you can see Judas kind of say, hey, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? You don't see a lot. Exactly when he changed his mind, I don't know. Uh, but uh, there are those who have done diligent research on Judas that maybe he, um, he was a money guy. Uh, Bob, I see you raising your hand. Your closest thing to Judas. When did he change his mind? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they know, you know, at the end of the day, he knew he could go. I mean, he knew they wanted him out. There was enough confrontations that Judas was a part of. So exactly when, if there was a specific turning point, I don't know. We know when he went, because it's in Scripture, when he finally went and said, hey, let's cut a deal, let's make it happen. Uh, my guess is um, that he was like many, I believe, that are in the church today. That they're close, they're observers, they're not going to be anti-faith or anti-Jesus unless the price is right. 
Um, but we know from the Old Testament he eventually was going to betray him. So when did he change his mind? I, I, I don't know exactly. There are, my guess there are people that wrote, written good books, and they don't know either, but it sold a book. Uh, but anybody else? Brian, do you know? Do you know when he quit? Yeah, you have no clue. All right. What you got? Are you pointing at Eric? Oh, yeah. Ron, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that, that is the truth. That, that's, that, that's a good point to make in that. By the way, I like your ski uh, shirt. I noticed you got that ski shirt. Uh, if you didn't hear what he said, he says, hey, the truth is none of them really got it because they all departed, right? They all walked away. So even in that upper room when he washed their feet, instituted the Lord's Supper, uh, and they walked out to Gethsemane where they took a nap while Jesus was praying sweat drops of blood, they still didn't have it fully. Does that make sense? And, and I, want you, I want you to know, even there are times, and I always try to do this, uh, that I tell you when it's my opinion. It is my opinion, okay, uh, that had Judas repented and confessed that he could have been saved. There are people who absolutely say, no, Satan had come upon him and he could have never repented and whatever. And, and you know what? That's your opinion, and I can live with that. So I just want you to know, I just believe that's about God's grace. My point is that, uh, and that is, I think you could go as far as to betray Christ and come back if, you know, if Judas would have chosen that path, but he didn't. He chose to end his life. And the tragedy is not, the tragedy is, Somebody was going to betray Christ into the hands of sinful men because that's what Old Testament said. Somebody was going to do it. Um, you know, somebody's going to commit every, every sin, even very grievous ones. Uh, but God's grace can overcome all of those. And I will tell you, I begin Sunday preaching a series starting this Sunday, uh, a brand new series entitled But God. Now, there are a lot of things that Satan has to say about us. But God has something else to say. And we're going to look through the life of Jesus and the times that Jesus said, Satan may be saying this, but God has something else to say. And I will tell you this, Garner and Bridget have written a new song. And it is phenomenal. They're going to sing it Sunday, and then we're going to drop it to everybody and give everybody a free copy of it on MP3 on your text. So you want to text series uh, to get on there at 2 p.m. on Sunday afternoon uh, after we do our last service. Everybody that texts in the word series is going to get that, uh, get it dropped to them. I, I heard it yesterday. Uh, I'd heard them sing it before at the Rethink Conference. They sang it. They sang it back at Wally Jolly. But now they're now they're uh, they're basically uh, uh, now they're basically got it mixed and ready to go. So uh, uh, anyway, I got I, I got huh? East. It's an Easter song. Basically, it's an Easter song. It's, and that's a little jazzy. So if you're looking for a hymn, it ain't a hymn. Uh, but it, it it'll get your foot tapping, and it's got a great message. Yeah. Say that again. Do I think he did? Or I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I think he's got to confess and ask for. But your question is: Is there a is there a gray area there? The gray area that some people have used that I've heard. That doesn't mean I've heard all the arguments. The gray area that I've heard is, uh, uh, is that he had remorse. But there's a difference between re being remorseful and repentant. 
Does that make sense? There's a big difference between being remorseful and being repentant. Yeah, Eric. By giving the money back? Yeah, but he still went out and hung himself. He didn't hang around for a resurrected Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there, but there, there are lots of people that can, you can recognize your sin. You can go a lot of, and, and that is the, just, just step back for all of us. None of us know what really takes place in someone else's heart, right? None of us know. Uh, so that's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a hard time prejudging Judas other than everything that all the way down to the end, he definitely didn't get to the place that he had turned back to God in repentance. That's clear. Uh, he took a noose and hung himself. Uh, you, you see Peter's repentance, which is part of the story. So if you'll give me three more minutes. Number one, what we can learn from Peter, talk is cheap. Uh, um, it's easy to lose your way, guys. I, if you just want to write down Matthew chapter 26, verse 69. It's easy to lose your way. And I was just going to use the three times that Peter denied, right? And, and at what tell me which one of those times that Peter denied did someone have a knife to his throat? Zilch, right? And that's where you and I need to understand, guys. It is easier than we think. If you are as faithful as you can be right now, it is easier than we all think to lose our way. And I want us to always remember that, okay? I don't care who you are. It's easy to lose your way. So stay faithful. Stay surrounded by the right people in the right time and the right space and like right everything. Just it's easy to lose your way. Um, but here's what I want to get with. No failure is ever final. No failure is ever final. And now let's jump down to and I do want to read this to you and then I'll let you go. Uh, John chapter 21. Pick it up in verse 15. This is Peter. Unlike Judas, Judas went and hung himself. Peter just went back to his old life. What had Peter done when Jesus called him? He was a fisherman. Peter's back fishing again, right? All right, Peter's back fishing. In John chapter 21, it says, Jesus is when they had finished eating, eating the fish. Uh, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Now, I do think Jesus has a sense of humor, by the way, and I think that always drives me nuts when people don't think Jesus has a sense of humor. Let me tell you what, when Jesus called the Pharisees a bunch of whitewashed tombs, that was funny. All right. Jesus said, and, and they and let me tell you what, I guarantee you, everybody that was around him that had been bludgeoned by the legalism of the Pharisees, when Jesus said that to him, I will guarantee there's somebody like me and Justin sitting in the back going, <laughs> all right, that, that some of these things that you look in the original language, they, they don't come across as funny here, but they were kind of a Hebrew or Aramaic or Greek idiom that he just kind of just backslapped him a little bit. But so that's exactly what Jesus does here. This is funny, all right? Remember what Peter said? Even if all of these betray you, I will not. Look at what Jesus asked him. So when Jesus came back to Peter, he said, Simon, son of John, uh, do you truly love me more than these? Boy, he remembers those words, right? What is Jesus kind of throwing them back? Peter, how'd that go for you? You know, how'd that go for you now that you denied me, uh, denied me not once, twice, but three times? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Peter hadn't learned a thing, has he? He is so much like us. Well, Lord, of course. Now, he wasn't just say, you know I love you. He was, in essence, saying, yes, you know I love you more than these guys. Right? That's what he's saying. Because Jesus questioned, do you love me more than these guys? And he goes, you know I love you more. 
He doesn't say these guys, but that's what he was saying. And so again, Jesus said, all right, Simon, son, John, do you truly love me? He answered, Lord, yes. Now notice Jesus dropped the more than, more than these off. He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him this a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. And you know that I love you. Now, if you look through there, there's some agapes and some phileos that show up in there that we just see it as love, love, love. But there are different levels of love that, that Peter continues to respond. Do you love me? He says, the Lord Ask him, uh, you know all things, Lord. You know, Peter says, I love you. In 18, Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, uh, you dressed yourself and went out uh, where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you uh, to where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death that Peter would have uh, to glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. What did Jesus say? He even forecasted basically his own death that Peter uh, would, uh, as church history said, he'd be crucified again, but choosing, choosing to be crucified upside, upside down. It is interesting in that John 21, if you were going to read it, uh, after Jesus makes his statement about how Peter's going to die, Peter says, well, what about him? <laughs> he looks at John and said, how's he going to die? And Jesus looks at him and said, can you just mind your own business for one moment? I mean, we are so much like Peter, aren't we, guys? Because Jesus, Jesus says, you're going to die, and he goes, well, what about him? He goes, that's not your issue, Peter. So, guys, we can learn something from Judas. We can learn something from Peter. Even with Peter, talk is cheap. It's easy to lose our way. But, guys, more importantly, no failure is ever final. Don't ever go out and hang yourself because of past sin or past mistake. True repentance, true confession will always lead to real forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, and thank you for these guys. And uh, God, I just pray that you would just uh, let us walk this week uh, in a holy purity, in a, in, a, in a desire to honor you and glorify you in all that we do. God, from midweek that will be held in here as we look at what Malachi has to do with Jesus and, and the New Testament, as we go through Monday, sir, Monday Thursday service, just looking to set our hearts and our minds right on what took place in that upper, upper room leading to the Garden of Gethsemane and ultimately to the cross. As we then go through Good Friday and we focus on uh, the immense suffering that the Savior went through to pay for the world, uh, the sins of the world. And then as we show back up on Saturday night at 5 and Sunday morning at 8, 9, 30, 11, and 12, 30, God, I pray that we would be prepared and that we would have our hearts and minds completely focused on who you are and your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.